Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelogue, the podcast of Continent Traveler. I'm here in the podcast studios with Meredith Carey, Rachel Coleman, Andrea Whittle, and they are all editors for Traveler. My name is Brad Rickman, and we are going to talk this week about something that we've been obsessed with, I think, internally for a long time now, and many of us have felt like it was a trend among our staff and uh, cohorts. We suspected and we've now discovered that it is a trend nationwide, maybe even worldwide. And that's the long weekend. So we might as well get right into it. But first, we're going to hear from a sponsor. So today's podcast is brought to you by Greenville, South Carolina. This is a place that's actually been on our radar for a couple of years now. This past year, it was in the top five on our Reader's Choice Awards list of best small cities in the U.S. Yeah, is that, actually, I got that right? Yeah, I think it was number three. Number Super three. exciting. Yeah, Congrats to Greenville. This is a real breakthrough. This is a list that's basically like the Beatles of small American cities, right? It's got all the sort of hits there. So to find Greenville there really shows that it um, is punching above its weight class, I think, and doing some really, really interesting things. Two things that Greenville's got recently that, to my mind testify to the kind of stature that we're talking about here. I think listeners will identify with this. First of all, in the past, I think year, year and a half, Sean Brock has opened a branch of Husk there. Correct. That is correct. And there is a new bar that opened last year, I think in April, May zone called the Vault Invader. Not Vader like Lord Vader, Vault Invader. (laughs) And I feel like Sean Brock, those of you who've been to Charleston maybe or to Nashville are familiar with his work. The thing I love about Sean and the husk, you know, kind of vibe is he's all about Southern cooking, but not this like genericized version of Southern cooking that you get from TV. He really, really dives into a place. He is very conscious about the ingredients that they use, the traditions that are involved in those. Literally, it does a historical dive into what was grown there, how was it made, and then really creative about developing recipes around that. And I feel like what that suggests about Greenville is that there has to be an infrastructure of support for that before somebody like Sean, who does what he does, can go in there and open a restaurant like Husk because there have to be farmers, there have to be producers, there has to be people for them to work with in order to do what they do. And I think that, you know, if you had looked at Greenville maybe 10 years ago, you wouldn't say like, oh, this is definitely like a foodie place to go. But I think now that's totally true. I think there are tons of restaurants beyond Husk, which I think, you know, people who are big fans of what Husk does, like should be going to Greenville anyway, just because the Husk is there. But I think there are so many other, other really amazing options. There is, you know, a city. John is there, right? Right. Um, it's an Italian restaurant. And then there's like a, a food hall that has a regionally sourced farmer's market. You know, there's a meat forward diner, you know, the Anchorage, Stella's Southern Brasserie. There are just a bunch of options. And and I, again, you know, if you're a husk type, it's definitely worth visiting. Well, if you're a foodie, I think, as we are, you mm-hmm. know, this tends to be our entry point for cities a lot of the time. You've just heard it on the podcast many, many times. And I think this is the kind of thing that to us makes us start to feel like, oh, we should be planning a trip to this place. If you are planning a trip to Greenville, South Carolina, and you should be, check out visitgreenvillesc.com. That's where you can find everything that you need to know. So check out Greenville, South Carolina. Okay, before we get into some specifics around types of long weekends and destinations that are great for the long weekend, I thought it might be helpful to talk about some of the reasons why 
the long weekend seems like such a popular way to create a trip. What is it about the three to four day window that's actually really great? I actually made it my New Year's resolution this year to take more long weekends because I felt like last year I'm one of those like average, very average people that didn't take all my vacation days. And I feel like it's one of those ways where I can not miss a ton of work. I can get everything done. I don't feel super stressed going into vacation because, you know, I've got stuff to do and I don't feel like I'm, you know, making this big, huge commitment, but saying I'm going to take a Friday or even better, I'm going to take a Monday because Mondays are always better when you're not at work Mm -hmm. to be somewhere else and do like a quick fire trip there. I think that it kind of like sets you up to feel like you're traveling more often because you actually are, even if it's not like I'm committing to this two week long trip to Africa, you can say, you know, I'm going to Boston for three days and it's going to be great. And then I'm going to go back to my regular life. And then in a month I'll go, you know, to Mexico city. And then the next month I'll go there. It's such a nice way to refresh after a long week at work, too. If you just take a day off, go to Mexico City for the weekend, eat a lot of tacos, drink mezcal, then come back to work on Monday. Like, you feel totally rejuvenated. And like you've been gone forever. Depends on how much mezcal. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's also less daunting to plan. Like, there's something about having, like, a full seven days where it feels like you have to come up with something that you're doing for, like, every single one of those days. Whereas... Three days, it's like, okay, I kind of know, like, the couple of things I want to do in the city or in this town, and I can also have a bunch of downtime and just hang out, and it's a little bit more relaxing. Like, for people that are stressed out about, like, over-planning a full vacation, I think it's a very, like, digestible option. It's also cheaper. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I also feel like you can approach somewhere and say, okay, I'm going to plan out my three dinners that I can possibly have. And like, I'm going to know ahead of time, this is how much money I'm going to spend. And I also think it makes you more flexible for flight deals because for most people, you can take any Friday. It's not like you have to commit again to like taking a full week and planning around that thing. You can take any Friday. So if you see a flight deal come up, you can more naturally and easily and quickly say, oh, I can totally do that thing. Mm-hmm. Do that thing. Do that thing. I'm Last also a fan of the like extended long weekend where you're like, <laughs> I'm going to leave on Wednesday night and I'll be back in the office on Tuesday morning. Also <laughs> known as a week. I call that a long weekend. <laughs> Last President's Day weekend, I found a flight deal round trip from New York to Paris for $400. It came out to probably 450 with taxes and everything. But I booked it. I said, why not? Left on a Thursday morning. Got there Thursday night, left Monday night, and it was an incredible four-day break from work. And I only missed two days from work. When you do a trip like that, do you feel like Airbnb has made that easier? Or is it easier to sort of put together a quick three, four days because of services like Airbnb? I think having the option to check that definitely makes it easier because you have so many varieties of ways to kind of get within the budget that you want. just more choice. Exactly. You can totally plan a long weekend where you just like bliss out at a spa and like go big, but you can also spend, you know, $50 a night in someone's home and it just depends on what you want. Mm -hmm. I also use it as a chance to visit friends and family Mm -hmm. a lot. It's also a nice amount of time to stay with a friend or a family because it's like, is it the same, like, fish and house guests go mm-hmm. bad after this three days yeah. or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a nice, like, if you do want to visit somebody, if you have a city that you really want to see and you have, like, an old college friend or a cousin, it feels like an okay ask yeah. 
to be like, hey, can I stay in your guest room or on your couch for like two to three days instead of I'm going to come for a week. Please host me. Yeah, it's manageable. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it helps also manage the anxiety of being away from work. Mm-hmm. So if it's one day or two days and you you know that, okay, maybe something's going on that I need to be involved with, but I can postpone one day or two days, but a week is hard. It's hard to be away for a week, I, I feel like. The flexibility of knowing that pretty much, I and mean, this is not true, but you hope it's true, that nothing can like totally crash and burn if you're out of the office for one day. Yeah. If you come back, it'll all be relatively okay, even if something went horribly wrong. So, Unless you're like a brain surgeon. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, but in our line of work, I think it's okay <laughs> to go one day out of the office. And I think, again, you don't have to like prepare meticulously and make sure that all of your T's are crossed and your eyes are dotted because you're only gone for maybe one, one and a half days. Does it then help you actually disconnect? A hundred percent. More fully? Do you guys find that? Because I feel like I, I know that I only have so much time. So it's like, why would I bother checking my email or being on my phone? So what are the boundaries for this? You mentioned going to Paris, Rach. That's what, a five, six hour flight? Yeah. I think I would think of it less in terms of hour flights and more of time zone. I wouldn't go anywhere where I'm completely losing a day um so i wouldn't go to china (laughs) for the weekend um paris was easy because i left in the morning got there pretty much at night but then on the way back i gained a day so it all worked out um i did not feel jet lagged there was no like feeling like i need to rest up when i got to paris i just went in started eating shopping walking (laughs) and it was like i had just left new york city And I know Andrea had worked on a story that ended up in the magazine and is also online, which is kind of like the farthest that all of our editors have traveled. And I am so pro South America for a long weekend because you aren't losing any sort of really strong time zone. You're just going to lose the time you're spent on the plane. So I flew a very long time to Santiago in Chile for a long weekend. I spent one day on a plane, three days there, and then one day on a plane. Mm. And it was super worth it. Like, I would never, I would always have wanted to stay for longer, but I would never change. Like, I would never regret having gone just for three days Mm -hmm. because you can sleep or read or catch up on work if you need to on that plane, and then you can hit the ground running. Andrea, do you have boundaries? Well, I think for me, my boyfriend lives in Europe. I live in New York. It's a little tricky. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there are so many affordable flights to Europe these days makes it so easy to get there. Like, I was thinking about it the other day. It it was cheaper for me to fly to London on Norwegian Airlines two weeks ago than it would have been if I were to, like, take the Acela to D.C. Mm. And the the amount of time lost is really not that different. Like, let's say... I was going to take the Acela in, like, the afternoon. Like, by the time I, like, get from work to Penn Station, to the train station, into the city, like, door to door, it's probably, like, five hours. The flight to London, if I get the air train from work, like, door to door, it's maybe eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And six of those hours are spent in a time where I would otherwise be sleeping in my bed, and I'm just trying to sleep. <laughs> On a plane. <laughs> On a plane. <laughs> and, like, I find that totally doable. Like, it really did not feel stressful at all. You arrive in the morning, like the same thing with Paris like you really can hit the ground running and the fact that there are affordable flights that cost the same amount as like a regional plane or like a train ride I just it's like people don't really think of it as that feasible but I really think that it is and it's something that with Airbnb like if you have friends to stay with 
you can get a great deal and it and it feels like really fun and and really satisfying to like go and feel like okay I like really did a big trip in a handful of days like you don't have to be limited necessarily by geography anymore I think in the best way it makes travel feel like no big deal and I think making that like a routine of saying like I'm gonna go even if it's somewhere that's not very far away from you I think it makes you feel like it's, again, like super accessible. And if you kind of get in that routine of like, you know, the money that you would have spent in New York on like dinner and going out, you can just put towards a flight for one weekend. I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I like to fill my year with weekend trips because I know if I don't, then I'll just be sitting at home doing what I do every weekend instead. And why would I do that when I could be in Miami or even going somewhere off season like Montreal in the winter? and exploring a different side of the city that I never would have seen before. But it's an hour flight and it's so cheap because no one wants to go there in the winter because it's so cold. But it's cold in New York too, so just why not? Just bring your jacket. And have better poutine there. Exactly. <laughs> um, we practice a little journalism here. We know that, that our own sense of this is actually borne out by the marketplace. I find this really interesting because it's a major shift, I think, in the way that Americans. So first, what is the actual trend Andrea, what are the numbers behind this? According to Travel Zoo, which is a, a survey company, Americans are taking more frequent shorter trips and fewer week-long vacations. So this is a study that came out last year, and the only number that I'm seeing here, it's more of a like summation that I'm looking at right now, is that more than 65% of respondents would travel to Europe for a weekend if the airfare was 500 bucks or less, which sort of proves... Rachel and my theory, yeah. which is like that it's totally acceptable. It also showed that travelers from the U.S. are even willing to plan a long weekend to go to Europe, as far away from Europe, probably from the Northeast, although. So probably not people from like Texas or California. Yeah. It's a Maybe a bit weighted. But the Texas and California to Mexico long weekend is a is totally Totally. Breeze. So here are some other notes from the survey. Roughly 40% of people traveling more than five hours away swap the car for a plane ride. So another thing that sort of proves here, nearly 60% of Americans will travel domestically for their primary vacation this year. Kind of cool. Yeah, Road trippy. Yeah, that's... that's. Um, about 85% of long weekend travelers say they hit the road to visit friends and family. Also just another like thing. You, thank you, just brought up here. This is an interesting point. Most travelers, so the majority of people that answered this survey don't take advantage of national holidays when planning their shorter trips. So they're sort of just taking them where they can, grabbing mm. a Friday or a Monday. That's a big mistake. Yeah, yeah. I, was say, I think that's a that's sort of crazy. tactical error. <laughs> but real fast, Rachel and I were both just talking. We both failed to book something for President's Day this year. Yes, you have to do it well in advance because everyone travels on holidays and it's so expensive. So my, I have a bunch of friends who are going to be in Iceland. They're flying from California. It was super cheap for them. I think it was like $300. Great deal. For me to fly to Iceland, a flight that's usually, you know, $250 if you fly on like a Wow Air or an Iceland Air, it was $700. And it was just because it was President's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going, obviously, because it was too expensive. Yeah. So I think that, again, you have to plan way ahead if you want to do those holiday weekends and be comfortable enough to know that, like, if I went to Iceland next weekend instead of this President's weekend, it would be, be half the price. 
and hotels More. and everything would be half the price. So maybe that's why people don't necessarily plan their long weekends around the holiday weekends because yeah. they know that like airlines and hotels are just going to jack up the prices. And I think that maybe that's the time when you go somewhere that's near you. So if you're in New York, you go to Boston or you go to Philly, um, somewhere that's maybe not going to be that big of a commitment as far as a flight or you could maybe get a zip car or something instead. Yeah, and there's probably a lot of availability because people are leaving there, so there's exactly. plenty of Airbnbs to grab mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a city-to-city travel mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is interesting to me because it represents this shift. Like, the way that Americans have thought about vacation is, like, this epic thing that you do. It's two weeks long. You're going to Europe. You're going to do, like, 100 cities in Italy when you do this. And now, because of this convergence of things that we've been talking about, transparency into flights, people being able to sort of be flexible with their schedules, uh, the availability of Airbnbs, you know, flight deals, all these new airlines coming on board. This is a real shift that I don't think the, the people are aware of, but it seems to be happening. I also think people are, and this is a trend everywhere, that people are a bit afraid to go away for two weeks. They see it as maybe a little threatening, like it'll show that they can be away for that long and everything's okay. So taking a weekend vacation is a little more safe. Um, And I think that might reflect this nationwide trend of Americans not taking all their vacation days. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's intimidating to say, okay, I'm going to leave everything behind for two weeks. I just did it for a week and it was great, but also, (laughs) yeah, terrifying. Um, And you have so many emails to catch up on and so much work that you missed. I feel like when I go on a vacation that's that long, I end up working some part of it because Mm I some weird deep guilt that I'm that I'm not in the office. Or you get an email from someone that's like, hey, just checking on this. And I'm just like, no. (laughs) Yeah, there's always an afternoon. I can remember doing this in in Malaga in Spain where it's like, okay, I can't go out this afternoon. I got to stay here because there's something I got to deal with or take care of. And you just, it's hard to escape that completely. And I think some of that is like real true, like you have to do the work, but also some of it is just pressure that you need to like be present. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are on a two week vacation, don't check your email. If you're on a weekend vacation, don't check your email. It's my <laughs> new motto. Never check your email. As of, as of my today. strategy <laughs> is in my out of office message. I say, like, I'm not really going to be checking my email, whatever the standard, like, I'm just checking email sporadically. (laughs) And then I say, if it's really urgent, here's my phone number, just text me or call me. If I know that something has really blown up that, like, is actually urgent, someone will just call me. So I don't feel the pressure to be, like, constantly opening the Gmail app and, like, checking and checking and checking in. Like, I'll check my email at the end of the day, once a day. Because I know that, like, whatever's in there isn't that urgent. And then if, like, something has really screwed up, that, like, I'll just get a voicemail or a text or whatever. So that's my strategy that sort of keeps me from checking it. Does it work? Do you find people texting No, because it's never that important. And Yeah, I feel (laughs) like, like, to me, the first time you said that, I was like, oh, my God, I would never do that. I would never trust my... No one does it. But seriously, like, you know, we have other coworkers who do the same thing, and I would never think of calling them or texting them when they were on vacation. I would think about emailing them 100%, but I would never bother them. I was just thinking of some of our colleagues in other parts of the organization who are perhaps less reticent about that kind of thing. Fair. Um, But no, I think that, yeah, I think your personal phone number is personal, and people maybe are less likely to disrespect that. So your as your vacation time is personal. Mm -hmm. There you go. It's like you gotta think twice. Before you dial that number. So before we start talking about our recommendations of specific places people can go, let's have a word from our sponsor. <laughs> 
So as we said earlier, this week's episode is sponsored by Greenville, South Carolina. They won number three on our top small cities awards list for our Reader's Choice Awards this past year. And if you want to go for the food, that's great. If you want to go to get outside and get that like real South Carolina mountain air, you can do that too. Just 45 minutes away, Jones Gap State Park, uh, I think is a really great option. This is where the Rainbow Falls Trail is. Right. So there's trout fishing, there's hiking, a really beautiful waterfall, as Brad said, you know, a fish hatchery uh, exhibit so you can bring kids and they can learn a lot about kind of like the, what is that called? The agricultural system with fish. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, there are a bunch of campsites if that floats your boat and there are 13,000 acres of wilderness. Uh, So if you want to get outside, that's right right outside the city. Right outside the city. 45 minutes drive. My Google Maps earlier had been set to walking and just so you know, it'd be nine hours. If you wanted to walk. If you wanted to hike all the way there. So if you're a real serious hiker, you you can do that too. Perfect. Uh, If you're interested in learning more, you can just head to visit greenvillesc.com to check it out. So let's get into some actual sort of useful information for people. What are some of the places that, you know, I think we have a Northeast bias. People are always sensitive to that in the comments on iTunes. and uh, We see you. We hear you. Yeah, we, we, we know <laughs> well, you're out there. Shut up about New York soon. <laughs> yeah. We have a roundup of romantic weekends on the site. And one of the places that we have on there is in Hawaii. And I had a question for you guys, which is, do you think that a place like Hawaii is a legit long weekend vacation if you're on the West Coast? I think that when Southwest my favorite airline, starts flying to Hawaii, kind of taking the space that, you know, Virgin had when they first kind of cut costs on flights to Hawaii. I think when Southwest rolls in with their even lower flights, I think it's totally going to be even more accessible for people to get to. I think it's basically the West Coast version of going to London. It's the same amount of hours. It's about five, six hours, right? Yeah, I think that it's the same amount of commitment. And I think that especially if you want to get a beachy vibe without being at your own beach, it might be the best option. Well, if you're in San Francisco, you can't get right, that exactly. kind of beachy vibe. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. LA maybe, but not, not I San wish Francisco. we had a East Coast equivalent. We do. Miami. Bermuda. Bermuda. Okay. Yes. It's we less, got, like, we got tropical, options. tropical, though. I feel like it has a bit of breeziness. It's cold right now. It's a little chilly. <laughs> there you go. But it takes less time to get there than it takes to get to the Hamptons from New York City. They do like to advertise that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think it's reasonable to go to Hawaii for a long weekend. I think that um, Airbnbs are going to be less available, um, so you're probably going to be working with the hotel. But again, I think that if that's a commitment you want to make money-wise, you should totally do it. But again, like Miami, there are lots of hotels. Right. right? Like your so. options are pretty much endless. Yeah. And maybe one day Airbnb will break in and we'll see what happens then. <laughs> What about like, and Mara, maybe you can speak to this a little bit from personal experience. You were talking about Texas or the center of the country. What are some really good getaways if you're in that area? Well, if you are in the Southwest or just generally in the South or in the Midwest or like most of America, except for like the most Northeastern or Northwestern points, you know, Mexico City is a great option. I know Rachel has actually done that from New York. I have. I did a Thursday to Sunday Mexico City trip. And it was incredible. Three and a half days is plenty of time to spend in Mexico City. It wasn't enough time, and I've actually just booked another uh, four-day weekend back to Mexico City to see everything that I missed. But it was my first trip there. I got a great taste of it. Literally, I ate pretty much every hour of every day. (laughs) 
for four days. So that's all I wanted, and that's what I got. And it was warm and sunny and beautiful, and it was cold and rainy in New York. So it was the perfect weekend getaway. And I think another great option is Denver, um, which is kind of the opposite at this time of year to uh, Mexico City. But I think that you know, there's that Winter Park Express ski train, which will get you from downtown to the Winter Park Resort in two hours. So again, you're not making this huge time commitment to like rent a car and drive yourself up the mountain and like find a ski resort. You can base yourself in Denver, pop out there for the day, maybe come back. Um, And you can go hike in Red Rocks. I think again, it's like, this isn't going to be your most cultural long weekend, but if you want to get outside and you want to just kind of like breathe some mountain air. I think it's a really relaxing, recentering time to go. I love Colorado in the summer, especially when like big cities feel really swampy and disgusting. Like Colorado in the summer is so nice. And we think of Telluride and Aspen and those kinds of destinations as ski destinations, but increasingly they have a lot going on in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Hiking, mountain biking. Yeah, and a lot of hotels have, you know, a lot of activities like that as well. So just, again, keep an eye out. I think if you're interested in any of these places, setting flight trackers is really important. And kind of having a running list in your head of interesting places you'd be willing to go for a long weekend just in case something pops up. What else is in the same time zone if you're working your way down, like in South America? Cartagena is a relatively not long flight. Four hours? Yeah, Cartagena is like straight down from... Not from, from Texas, but no, from, no, no. It's from yeah. New York. I was asking more from like middle of the country. Oh, not to yeah, be yeah. East Coast bias. Um, the only things that are right there are Mexico. It's like that whole section. Yeah. I'm flying to Panama City in two weeks, which I feel like would be a pretty quick jaunt. Yeah. Are you flying on Copa? Yeah. What's <laughs> the best airline food? Sorry, this is like totally really? irrelevant to the. Uh, yeah, they give you empanadas before you get your meal. What yeah, appetizer like, empanada? Not relevant to the podcast. <laughs> It's not? You don't think? Well, I don't know. If you've ever flown Copa Airlines on a long weekend. I flew Copa to Chile. Okay, here's my Copa pitch. Copa flies basically from five American cities through Panama City. You don't have to go through customs. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to check your luggage. You don't have to go pick it up and drop it off somewhere else. You are just in the terminal. Maybe your layover is an hour. Maybe it's two hours. It's never very long. And then they just shoot you down to South America. And I think that of the airlines, South American airlines and airlines that'll get you to South America, I think that it is maybe the easiest and like most hassle-free way to get down there and it's never super expensive. And mm-hmm. as I was telling Andrea, they give you empanadas before your in-flight meal. It's amazing. It's just the best. How I would be it? happy if that was my in-flight meal. <laughs> the first time yeah, I flew, really. I was like, okay, cool, this is it. And then they came by with like your full meal. And I was like, and this is it. <laughs> Where else from the West Coast? I think that if you're on the West Coast, I think San Diego is a great option. I think the nice thing about the West Coast is you can go to Portland for a long weekend. You can go to Seattle for a long weekend. You go to San Francisco, you can go to L.A. I think all of those big cities you can totally do in three days if you commit yourself to knowing that you can't do everything. I think that's kind of like when you were saying, Rachel, that you wanted to go to Mexico City and all you wanted to do was eat. I think having making that life decision. Definitely. Focusing on one thing you want to do and knowing that you probably won't be able to do other things because of that is helpful. Like when I was in Mexico City, I didn't get to go to the Frida Kahlo Museum, but I knew I really wanted to. And now that's first on my list when I go back in May. You were too busy eating to go to the Fidicalo. <laughs> too busy yeah. eating tacos and drinking mezcal. Um, my other favorite place, which we've talked about in depth on this podcast, and you should go listen to our New Orleans podcast, is New Orleans. 
Um, yeah. I am very pro long weekend to New Orleans. I think it's easy to get to from a lot of places. JetBlue has flight sales that always have New Orleans in them from all over the country. And I think that it's another one of those places where there's so much to do, but there's also like enough of a you know, container that you can kind of pick and choose and then know that you can go back and go back and go back and go back. Yeah. Um, what about Chicago? I have not From been either to of the coasts. I know that Paul Brady is like the biggest. I've never been to Chicago. I've done a weekend in Chicago. I have too. Went to a Cubs game, ate a lot of food. It was great. Yeah. I had never been before. Went from Friday to Sunday and had a great time. It was in the dead of summer and I'd like to go back in a different season just to see how real Chicago is. But I had a lovely time from New York. It was such a quick flight. And flights are traditionally so cheap to yeah. Chicago so cheap. from from a lot of places and not just New York. I think it's you such know, a business route, so it's you have to have those commuter flights that are very cheap. Yeah, so looking for flights under two hundred dollars is not unreasonable. If you guys were to do, I think Montreal is another popular destination from the East Coast. If you guys were to tell somebody three days in Montreal, what would the highlights be for you guys? Well, I have a pattern, and mine's all about food. And that was what I was going to say. Because <laughs> that's the best thing to do in Montreal. Um, eat bagels. Which place do you go to? St. Viator. I know I'm saying it incorrectly. There's also that underground mall. I didn't go like, to the underground don't mall. Don't have to go outside to I walk around to if it's really cold. Joe Beef and Au Pied de Cochon are the incredible meat-focused restaurants that everyone goes to. And I went to both, and they were both... Out of this world. So what do, you think, what do you think of the bagels? Did you like them? I like them. I, I mean, everyone says they're different from New York bagels. You're, they're designed to be eaten not as a sandwich, plain, um, and a little bit sweeter. I prefer New York bagels <gasps> with cream cheese and lox. Oh, hate tweets. <laughs> or with come? bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> but the Montreal bagel has made some inroads into the New York bagel scene. They have. With black seed bagels. I don't dislike go. them. Are black seed bagels? Those are Montreal style? They're Montreal style. style. They're oh, like the little smaller, chewier ones. Did not know that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the nice thing about Montreal is that you're not going to end up waiting in line for restaurants or having some like super long wait time for a reservation like you would in somewhere like New York. Or maybe even um, you're going to be able to get in pretty easily to these amazing restaurants that Rachel was telling us. Rachel, yeah. did you go out to the water at all in Montreal, to the river? Yes. We stayed in an Airbnb uh, just a few blocks away from there. Um, I actually wish that we hadn't done that because I found that water area to be very touristy. Crowded. Yes, crowded. There were lots of tourists. Um, and once I got into the actual neighborhoods in Montreal, that's when I actually felt like I was hearing only French and living in Montreal the way Montrealians do. <laughs> Where was the Unconfirmed that you call people from Montreal Montrealians. <laughs> Unconfirmed. What about poutine? I have never had poutine, <gasps> ever. You didn't get poutine? This is something I missed in my because I was only there for three days. I have to go back. This like is the downside three to days, taking weekend trips. Three opportunities to have poutine. If you're having a giant meat-heavy meal for every meal, it's hard <laughs> to fit in more poutine if you have a suggestion for rachel the next time she's in montreal you should tweet at Let her me know. where's yeah. the where's the best poutine in montreal apparently la banquise is uh supposed to be great i did not go there Agree, Share your disagree. poutine exactly. central <laughs> it's definitely that one restaurant chez claudette that sounds like it would be good 
I had so a nice duck name. cooked in a can. That was the best meal <laughs> I've ever had in my life. That's Where was amazing. that? At Pied de Cochon. Mm. How many times? How do they fit the practice? duck into the can? I don't that know. Feels like a it really, was a big can. <laughs> I feel like there's a cartoon that you could make where death. it was incredible. Okay, one of our favorite places here, and now I think we have permission to talk about the East Coast. Now, can we do that? I think we can do that. Um, so, one of our favorite places is the Catskills. Do you guys? Any of you guys do the Catskills for a long weekends? Um, I don't, but I've been before around the Catterskills falls area mm-hmm. and how did you like it it was great it was a lot of people from brooklyn who were also looking for a weekend getaway um not a bad thing but uh, i feel like all your friends came with you <laughs> it's like you never left <laughs> yeah if that's what you're looking for that's great but if you want to get away for a weekend i don't know if that's did you stay at scribner's did not stayed at a adorable bed and breakfast I think it was called the George Ellen Inn. It was just lovely. Nice. I had my breakfast cooked from locals every day with local chicken's eggs, and it was just the most quaint thing you've ever experienced. But it's a different kind of trip from some of the others that we've been talking about in the sense that that's urban folk heading out to the country. Is this something you guys have done in other places? Because otherwise we're, we're talking about like, oh, I went to Miami. I went to, mm-hmm. you know. I think that in Texas, if you live in West Texas or if you live in New Mexico, I think going to Marfa and making that a long weekend, taking the drive because there's no way to fly there, out to this like crazy kooky art town. Um, again, you can find really inexpensive housing because you can sleep in like a safari tent. But I think, I think that's kind of like the rough in it version <laughs> uh, for the South. I mean, I thought of it just because we go up to the Catskills every so often, and it's like the only time I ever have a fireplace. I ever have to actually do anything that norm, like people, is very common. Like, my brother builds fires all the time because he lives not in the middle of the city. And so going to the Catskills is one of the ways for me, or, or taking that kind of like long weekend. It's not a huge commitment, but I can go out there and I can sort of like get some fresh air and like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. have trees around me and, you know, wildlife, theoretically, bears and whatnot. I think Denver's, yeah, again, if you live in the middle of the country or even on the West Coast, that's a really great option for for you, also, obviously, the Pacific Northwest, somewhere like Seattle or Portland, would do the do the trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in the East Coast, Vermont too, mm-hmm. often gets overlooked. But if you want like the cozy, outdoorsy sort maybe of like not recovery, with all the Brooklynites, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. With like the like original hippies, <laughs> <laughs> not oh, the pretend ones. Oh, Portland, Maine's another great East Coast weekend getaway. Yeah. I mean, again, from New York City, it's such a quick flight usually relatively inexpensive and you get a mix of nature and city which is nice brad you're from there you can speak more yeah to it's it not than hard me. not hard for me to get on board with that <laughs> but that's another town where especially if you want to eat it's really really small but there's such a concentration of uh, incredible really, food yeah just really great amazing food and it's very local these days but a real eclectic mix of things. There's so much creativity there right now. That did not exist when I was growing up. And that's why it just continually blows my mind. It's so the opposite of what it was like when I was growing up there. And I think three days to just like pack yourself in is kind of a perfect way to get a feel for that town. You couldn't do everything, which is kind of amazing to say because it's really, really small. But it's also very concentrated. And so you could stay somewhere downtown and 
have easy walkable access to kind of every place, plenty of bars, plenty of restaurants that you could check out. So I'm fully on board with that. I saw in some of the reporting that we've done, it said there are weekend cruises. Yeah, so there are weekend cruises in Florida and in California um, where you get on board on Friday afternoon and then you're back, you know, Sunday night or Monday morning. And I think if you are new to cruising or trying to figure out if that's a thing that you're even going to like, because you haven't been able to test out your, like, seasickness vibe or you don't know how you do on a boat with trapped kind of with a bunch of people, uh, it might be a good way to test it out. Uh, If you're thinking about going on a cruise, a three-day cruise might be the way to go. Norwegian has three-day cruises from Miami to the Bahamas. Um, so it leaves at 5 on Friday, and then you get back at 7 a.m. on Monday. That's um, so doable. That's not even a long weekend. No, it's like it's like the perfect uh, so nice. amount of time. And then in California, it looks like Carnival runs trips to Baja. So you leave at 4 on Friday, and then you get back at 8 a.m. to Long Beach on Monday. And I think the same sort of thing happens in San Diego on a Disney cruise. Again, it's like 3,000 people. You leave Friday afternoon at 4, and you get back at 8 on Sunday morning. Hmm. What wow. a quick cruise. That is very quick. I think that's one of those things where like you're going to be on the ship. Yeah. Not uh, to like, get and to not to like hang out in Baja. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I think that if you're looking just to like absolutely get away, and maybe being on a cruise ship is the way to do that, um, to disconnect, uh, then maybe go for it. Well, especially, I think Disney's really great at this, too, um, where if you're doing a multi-generational thing, so you want to do something, grandparents, children, you know, parents, the fact that you're not making this tremendously long time commitment is actually a plus in that case. And if you go on a cruise, that's a pretty big ship, a 2,700 passenger mm-hmm. ship is, is pretty good size. It's going to have facilities. It's going to have amenities to keep everybody kind of entertained. So it's a nice way to take care of that particular need. And the same quality that you would find on a you know ship that's route was seven days instead of three. So you're going to get the same like Carnival, Norwegian, Disney treatment that you would if you were going on like a much longer, more traditional cruise. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, if you are trying to spend some time with grandma or get the grandkids with some time with grandma, you could just be going to her house. But why not do something more special? You know, get out on the water. That's fun for everybody. For me personally, I like to pick weekend getaway spots that don't require any sort of transportation. So I rely heavily on Uber or taxis. Um, I don't drive. So going somewhere on like a long road trip isn't appealing to me, which is why I pick places where I know public transportation is there and usable for travelers and easy to use. That's just my preference anytime I go somewhere. I feel like if you're going to make a road trip a long weekend, you need to like not be making it circular because mm-hmm. there's no way for you to get all the way somewhere <laughs> and back mm-hmm. uh, in three days. So I feel like, yeah, I think it's a possible option if you're going to like drive down to Miami and then fly back. But I feel like even if you can drive, that's not like a great use of your time. Yeah. So and this is the maybe the only time I will ever say no to the road trip. Renting a car is so expensive, though. That's fair. Not everywhere, though. I think that might be car uh, to go on the West Coast. New York thing. Do you guys do that? Car to go? Is that a thing here? It's a thing here, but it's also in Seattle. I think it's in San Francisco. I learned about it when I was reporting on my San Francisco story. 
because it's like a way that you can literally just it's like a full car share yeah yeah but i don't think they have it in new york no they do i see them in my they neighborhood do now? yeah and redmond does it all the time oh, wait, no i'm hmm. thinking of a different thing what am i thinking of get around it's called get around <laughs> get around so- it's a car sharing app and it literally, like, you can be walking around a neighborhood and be like, I feel like driving to, like, Mount Tam if you're in San Francisco. And you can literally look up this, like, open the app, find cars, like, nearby you in, like, a five-block radius. Hmm. And it could be anything from, like, you know, a Toyota Highlander to, like, a Tesla. And you they, like, different rates. And you can literally just, like, you unlock it with the app. And, and you, can you have the insurance because it's someone else's car to somehow, cover you. Yeah. Somehow. I mean, I don't. maybe that that's work? like why it doesn't exist in cities other than San Francisco because it's like a lawless place. Uh, <laughs> I think you would get insurance. Like the signing up and paying for the app would get you like the same, like the same as, you know, renting a car through Avis or whatever. Mm-hmm. You get some sort of car insurance. Mm-hmm. So like if you borrow my car, my mm-hmm. insurance covers you. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like there's a lot of people who are just thinking that gets them by with get <laughs> Maybe. around? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But it's an interesting option. For Airbnb. Yeah, that's fair. And it's an interesting option for an on-the-fly, more affordable car rental thing. Yeah. It sounds, cool. sounds kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, you'd sort of have to have... Is, do they have any kind of vetting of the cars, like, to make sure that, you know, it's not in poor condition, the brakes work, whatever... We're going to have to check the website. Check the <laughs> website on that. What is it, getaround.com? It's getaround.com. It, this is based on reporting that I did almost a year ago, so it may have changed its approach. But at the time when I was in San Francisco, a lot of people were talking about it as like an option for if you don't have a car in the city, like a way to get out of the city really easily if you want to go hiking or like go skiing, go to Lake Tahoe, go like 30 minutes outside the city. And, like, it was something that people sort of used regularly if you didn't want to, like, pay for an Uber to drive you somewhere and then get an Uber back. And maybe, you know, like, you pile in a couple of friends. You don't know how long something's going to be. It seems like a feasible option. We haven't talked about Tahoe since since you bring it up. Like, if you're in San Francisco or L.A. or anywhere on the California coast, really, Tahoe's obviously fantastic. That's not a secret. Mm-hmm. But it is totally even better as a long weekend. I did a bunch of those when I was out there. Just head up and rent a house or whatever for three days that's totally manageable i know this is probably not a helpful point because we just dedicated this entire podcast to telling you where to go on a long weekend but i really think that you can make any city feasible in a long weekend if you live on the west coast i think that making asia a long weekend is going to be hard but then you take the andrea long weekend and you go wednesday to tuesday (laughs) um i think that there's really like no reason why you can't tackle a city in three days I think it's an understandable, totally feasible thing. And I think, again, like making it a routine um, to take long weekends is going to help you out in the long run. I feel like in a city, you kind of don't want more than three or four days. Like it's one thing if you are in a beach place or you're in a sort of rural place that it sort of feels inherently relaxing, like to be in that surrounding. But when you're in a city, any more than three or four days and you sort of start to feel like you're in this like Mm. urban routine and like you live there. Yeah. And the entire becomes, point is that you're the not romance that sort you of fades yeah. slightly. Like at the beginning, like when I went to London last week, I like with the first time I got on the underground, I was literally like there were stars in my eyes. I was like the London underground is <laughs> incredible. Like it is a flawless transportation system. It's amazing. I love it. And of course, by day five, I was like it's fine. <laughs> like there's something about that like newness. And the excitement that, like, it does go away after a little while. It's like it sort dating. Of, it condenses it <laughs> if you sort of just keep it tight. 
to keep that itinerary tight. There you go. Just well, like your long distance relationship. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I think there's a theme here in your life. <laughs> Tell my boyfriend not to listen to this one. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I feel like you're right. There's, I hadn't thought about it, but there's, you either kind of do two weeks where you really get to disengage and you get out of the mentality of being at home, and then you're truly immersed in in your vacation and your time away. Or you're kind of in that liminal space where you're just sort of like you're ridden with anxiety, but you're not, you you can't do anything about it. And so the three days kind of is a nice get away and get back before that anxiety sets in, you know, for real. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, we're going to hear another word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Greenville, South Carolina. It was really exciting for us last year that was one of the top five cities in our best small cities list in the Reader's Choice Awards. And it's great for the food. It's great for uh, the outdoors. It's also great, and I think a lot of people may not be aware of this, it's great for art. It's a great art town. There's a festival there every year called the Artisphere that is uh, really a terrific downtown art festival, so you can really be right there in the city and experiencing that. There's also the Art Crossing at River Place. And we have discovered that there's an Andrew Wyeth connection here. Yeah, so the Greenville County Museum of Art, which is also right downtown, maybe, I don't know, five minutes Uber. 10 minutes walk from all of those things that Brad just mentioned, has the world's largest public collection of watercolors by Andrew Wyeth, uh, which is super exciting. It's also downtown, and you can get there from the festival or from the other museums that you visit. Food, art, outdoor culture. I mean, I really want to visit the Falls Park on the Reedy River. I think that thing looks really cool. Um, so, again, this is just a place that's on our radar, should be on your radar too. Check out Visit greenvillesc.com and visit Greenville. Okay, thanks you guys for coming and talking about your long weekend experiences and giving some advice to our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes, we are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com and please do give us your feedback. We love to hear it. Mare, when is Women Who Travel coming back? It's coming back March 12th. So set your alarms, your calendar, notifications, whatever you want. We, Lolly and I, have a really, really exciting season coming up. We've got our first out of the office travel episode. Uh, where on we the road. Will, yeah, on the road episode. Um, Women Who Podcast on the Road. Yeah, in Austin, which is going to be really exciting. And we have, yeah, a lot of exciting, awesome, really inspiring badass ladies coming on season two so watch out you Um, have just enough time to go uh, if you have not done so already listen to season one so you're all caught up it's eight episodes again you could do it you know on a couple long weekend flights Mm -hmm. i don't know it's up to you but i think that yeah you have just enough time to listen to those eight episodes uh again let us know what you think um you know we can make adjustments for season two and and go ahead great We are looking forward to it. Season one was excellent, so season two, even better. And we're going to find out what happens to that person who got shot in the... Oh, (laughs) spoiler! Wow. (laughs) Rachel hasn't been listening. Clearly, you can see who's (laughs) listening and who hasn't. We are Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter. And please do tweet at us and send us feedback. We've been reading the iTunes reviews. Um... And we have gotten so many ideas about podcasts to do and um, things to talk about from you guys, especially on Twitter. It's been really great. Um, keep those coming, um, and we are happy to hear from you. Um, Mayor, how can people get a hold of you? 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at oh hey there mayor. Rach. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at at Rachel E Coleman. I highly recommend Rachel's uh, Instagram stories in particular. You're, Thanks, you're Brad. Great Instagram stories. <laughs> Andrea. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at a little bit. And so good. So good and <laughs> every bit every as time. funny <laughs> in the actual tweets. Uh, I'm at Brad Rick. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. <laughs>